morning, and welcome to SCBC Dallas. My name is Volcher Kikau, and I have been serving as interim pastor for the English congregation over the past 12 months. It has been a joy to serve our Lord as your pastor and fellow disciple of Christ. But my interim role is now coming to a close, and my last official day is the 31st of October. Throughout our time together, we have seen God reveal more of himself to us. He is spirit and truth, love and merciful, righteous and just, sovereign and never changes. We have also been reminded of how God wants us to commit to his Son, our Lord and Savior. We have been challenged to look beyond our walls, to love God, love others, and make disciples. We have discovered more of our own identity in Christ and what it means to be true disciples of Christ. We have also come to realize that we need to reset our standards of family when it comes to marriage, leading our families by example, godly interactions as parents and children, interdependence across generations, and multiplying God's image into future generations. We have been galvanized into Christian community as we discover more of what it means to grow together, to be called together, to live in freedom together, to deal with judging together, and to honor one another together. And we are still learning what it means to be the church, the body of Christ, as God shows us how his son is the head of the church, how the godly character of a leader is crucial, how we need to walk as the body of Christ, how he calls us to serve together, and how he sends us out as his faithful messengers. Over the past 12 months, we've been going through some pretty extreme ups and downs. And 2020 has been an interesting year, to say the least. I was looking through our YouTube channel and saw that the last time we gathered here for in-person corporate worship was March 8. Can you imagine? We haven't been on site here for almost eight months. We are all going through challenges of a global pandemic, loss of jobs, strained relationships, the passing of loved ones, isolation, racial tensions, political turmoil, war, famine, national unrest, and the list goes on. But we've also witnessed birth, marriage. I just saw one on Saturday morning. Baptism, right in a friend's pool. Reconciliation, growth, saved souls, and so many wonderful things. The biggest challenge, though, is knowing that suffering is actually meant for our own good and for God's glory. Paul told the church in Rome, We also rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so as God allows us to go through our ups and downs, we need to remind ourselves that hope is the result of all that is going on around us. As long as we remember to stand in the grace that we have obtained through trusting Christ as our Savior. But we shouldn't do it alone. We cannot do it alone. We need to come alongside one another and spur one another on. God wants us to enter into his presence and experience a new life with Christ. 
He wants us to hold fast to the hope that we confess to others. And he wants us to care for one another. Please join me in reading together Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the fresh and living way that he inaugurated for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in the assurance that faith brings, because we have had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed in pure water. And let us hold unwaveringly to the hope that we confessed, for the one who made the promise is trustworthy. And let us take thought of how to spur one another on to love and good works, not abandoning our own meetings, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and even more so, because you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again we come before you in utter humility as we stand in awe of who you are. Because of sin, which you abhor, you could have chosen to simply annihilate us. But you are love, and your love is so great that we cannot fathom it. Your love is so wonderful that you gave us your one and only Son. And because of Christ's death for us on the cross, we are able to enter into your presence. Because of his resurrection, we are able to experience new life in him. Because he now sits at the right hand of your throne, we can hold fast to an eternal hope. And because we are now your adopted sons and daughters, we can care for one another just as Christ cares for us. Help us, O God, to learn from your word today. May it penetrate our hearts and transform us as you renew our minds. We pray this in the holy and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you've ever been in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or if you ever get a chance to be in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I encourage you to visit the Mennonite Information Center. It's located in the heart of the Amish and Mennonite communities of Lancaster County home of the oldest existing Amish settlement in the world. It's also home to the Biblical Tabernacle, which is an intricately designed reproduction of the original Old Testament Tabernacle. The Biblical tab uh, Tabernacle, the reproduction of it, was created in the late 1940s as the Moses Tabernacle in the wilderness by a Baptist minister in St. Petersburg, Florida. Mennonites later purchased the replica and eventually joined it with the Mennonite Information Center. Presentation guides versed in the scriptural context and significance of the tabernacle and its furniture leads you in conversation from the bronze altar just inside the eastern gate of the courtyard to the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. As you look into the holy place, a full-size wax figure of the high priest presides over the altar of incense. His authentic robes have pre precious stones embedded in gold on his breastplate. The golden lampstand and the table of the bread of the presence are made to scale. A fully researched design of the veil separates the people 
from the presence of God like in olden times. In my Ryrie study Bible, it says, Josephus reported that the veil was four inches thick, was renewed every year, and that horses tied to each side could not pull it apart. It barred all but the high priest from the presence of God. But when it was torn in two at the death of Jesus of Nazareth, access to God was made available to all who come through him. In view of all that has been accomplished for us by Christ, we saw what the writer of Hebrews said in verses 19 through 21. Next week, you are going to observe the Lord's Supper again. I want you to think about these things as you commune together. By the blood of Christ, you are able to enter into the presence of God. And through Christ's flesh, you have now entered into a fresh and living way. I love this picture. For generations, the Jews had been separated from God, where in the temple, the Holy of Holies was covered by a veil, and no one was allowed to enter except the high priest, where even he would enter only once a year on Yom Kippur to offer the blood of sacrifice and incense. But all believers now have an open invitation to come into the holy place. Under the old covenant, that privilege of entering God's presence was reserved for the priesthood. Today, we can enter God's presence through Jesus' crucified flesh as though we entered the Holy of Holies through the torn temple veil. And his sacrifice provided a new and living way compared with the old dead way of the covenant. And why? It's because we have Jesus as a high priest over God's people. His blood allows us direct entrance into the presence of God and his flesh ushered us into a new way of life. So let's enter into his presence. Let us confidently approach God in worship. Remember, we can have confidence to enter God's presence presence because we have a great high priest. We now have the ability to draw near to him with freedom from guilt and with the admonition to conduct ourselves in a holy manner. We need to act as if each step we take in life is a step taken into the holy of holies. This needs to be our personal devotion because drawing near with a sincere heart means that our hearts are now true and dependable. We can approach God with the assurance that Jesus' death has removed our guilt for sin and has made us acceptable to God. We can have full assurance of our faith since our confidence rests in the sufficiency of what Christ has done for us. And we should not only exercise faith, but also hope. So let's hold fast. Let us maintain our Christian confession and hope. We are exhorted to perseverance. 
The basis of our steadfastness is the fact that God is faithful to his promises concerning our future. We live in a world where values are continually shifting, but where Christian standards are constant. So we must hold on to our confidence in Christ Jesus. If we veer off course, we must make a course correction as quickly as possible and make sure that our moral compass is always pointing to true north. This begins with us as individuals and then manifests itself in our family and in our church life. That's why we've talked several times this year about resetting ourselves to God's standards in our marriages, our parenting, our sibling relationships, and our cross-generational interactions. If we don't get things done right at home, then how can we get things right in the house of God? And if we don't get things right in the house of God, then how can we model what is right in our communities and to the world around us? So hold fast, because God is trustworthy. And third, let's care for one another. Let us help one another by meeting together regularly for mutual encouragement. We need to put love into action. Let me share a couple other passages from Scripture. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And in Ephesians, it says, For we are his creative work, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God prepared beforehand so we can do them. This third admonition now moves us from the vertical to the horizontal dimension of our life as a Christian community. This encouragement from the author of Hebrews to love one another, our social obligation as the body of Christ was also necessary since some were abandoning the faith. One example of this today is what some of you have heard me refer to as the wandering sheep. In many immigrant churches, these are often the second generation who have grown up in their parents' first-generation church. But when they go off to attend university, they experience life in a different context, including church life. After they graduate, they come back only to discover that the church they grew up in isn't really their church. It was their parents' church. So they try other churches, particularly majority culture churches. But then they realize they don't fit in there either. So what ends up happening is that they wander and sometimes become part of the unchurched population of our nation. They are not lost sheep. They are wandering sheep. The author of Hebrews wrote this to stimulate his readers to remain faithful to the Lord. This type of love is the product of communal activity. We cannot practice it in isolation and apart from other believers. 
but our communal activity must be relevant. It needs to be cross-generational, intercultural, and multi-ethnic relevance. God's household must be welcoming to all his children. And remember our theme of beyond our walls? God's household is not about a building. His household is his people, wherever we are. And we need to start now. Because the day which we await will soon be here. Brothers and sisters, time is short. Don't waste it. You never know when God will take home either you or someone you know. Neither do we know when Christ is coming back for his bride. As true disciples of Christ, let us enter into God's presence. Hold fast to our hope in him and care for each other by spurring one another on. So I want to encourage you to spur one another on. First, encourage godly leadership. Raise up leaders according to biblical standards. Don't settle for the world standards. No matter how good they may seem, they still don't live up to God's standards. Encourage leaders currently serving you. Believe me, they need it. Ministry burnout is real, and it's not an easy place to come back from. Be careful with vacuums, places where you find a hole. Just because there's a need doesn't mean that you just put anyone in charge of it. An overseer is one who cares for something as a divinely appointed steward. And take leadership seriously. The board is not a senate where people get elected to represent certain demographics of a church. Leaders are put in place to shepherd God's people, and they are held accountable to a much higher standard than the average Christian. And one does not become a leader overnight. A godly leader must be trained up to godly standards. If you don't believe me, read 1 Timothy 3 again. And look at how those characteristics of a godly leader need to be reflected in someone watching over you. They don't come naturally, those characteristics. Second, model Christ for one another and for the world. He loves us unconditionally. He even washed his disciples' feet. Are you, wa- are you willing to wash other people's feet? Before you answer that question, realize that Jesus washed the feet of all his disciples, including the one who was about to betray him that very night. Are you willing to wash the feet of someone who is selfish and self-centered, only thinking about themselves, greedy and willing to trade you in for personal gain, willing to betray your friendship, hates you, and talks badly about you, even willing to let you go through the worst possible death and cause pain for those you love. If you're going to model Jesus for others, you need to be willing to wash the feet of the Judases in your life. And be humble and put others' needs before your own. Don't insist that your own needs be met. As everyone here 
at FCBC Dallas takes on a posture of humility and others-centeredness, you'll find that your own needs will just naturally be met because you are all taking care of each other. And celebrate your history as a church. Learn from it. All the high points and all the low points. Learn why you make decisions the way you do today. There's a history behind it. As a church, you are going through something right now. You're going through many things. But don't try to fix things on your own, only to put it behind you as quickly as possible, just because you're uncomfortable. Remember, suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character hope. Don't try to simply get over it. Ask God to get you through it and discover what he is trying to teach you today. Because if you think about it, there are several things that the church has gone through in the past that we may not have learned from. And so now we must be good stewards of the opportunity today to be still and know that he is God. And encourage godly learning. Study God's word individually. Then come together and lovingly discuss corporately. As you do that, you'll find yourselves growing together in unity. And if you need help studying God's word, ask someone to join you. The more you read God's word, the more you will fall in love with the author and you'll just want to keep coming back for more. And encourage godly communication. Don't gossip. Don't grieve the, don't grieve the Holy Spirit with divisive talk. Gossip is one of those powerful weapons in the enemy's arsenal that he uses to divide and conquer. And watch your words. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, not your emotions. It's not just what you say, but how you say it and when. Meaning, is it at that moment that you should even say anything? Or God, does He just simply want you to be still? And again, know that He is God. And encourage Godly relationships. Have compassion for one another. Learn each other's stories. Seek one another out. Work out healthy relationships. You might be married. Work it out with your spouse. You might be a parent. Work it out in relating to your children. You might have other siblings. Work it out in relating to one another. Children. Relate to your parents and work that out. Some of you who are single might be in a dating relationship. Work that out for a healthy relationship as well. And brothers and sisters in Christ interacting together, whether it is in your local church family or as the global church on the move, work out healthy relationships. And reconcile with one another. Put others' needs before your own. Also, watch your temper. 
In Ephesians 4.27, Paul warned the church in Ephesus to not let the enemy have a foothold. He gave them this warning in the context of anger. Foothold would also mean opportunity or place. The danger of anger is that it gives an opportunity to the devil. Anger basically opens the door just enough to let sneak in an opportunity of fostering the spirit of pride or hatred. Sudden instinctive indignation against injustice or wrong, such as what we have been seeing with racism, social justice, and so on, may be good in itself. But if it is retained and nursed as a grievance, it will let the devil lead you as his victim on to unkind thoughts, words, and actions, and eventually work havoc on your personal relationships. This usually works its way into any local church where people feel that they have been wronged or the church is not doing enough. Please resist the devil and give no place for him, whether it is in your individual spiritual life or in FCBCD's corporate fellowship. And last, persevere. Each of the major biblical leaders went through some rough times. They endured persecution, slavery, invasion, poverty, and plagues. What separated them from everyone else was their faith. Despite their challenges, they honestly believed God would deliver on His promises and their hard work would pay off. We can learn from their dedication. We will all face hardships in our lives. It's inevitable. To succeed, you must learn how to, per, how to stay persistent and determined no matter what. The Bible teaches us never to give up because God never gives up on us. Regardless of the situation, we can keep going because God will carry us through. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap harvest if we do not give up. There is so much more I'd like to share. But as a co-disciple, all I can do is encourage you to be true disciples of Christ. And keep observing all he commanded us. Be his students, his pupils, his learners. Remember, Christ himself said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That means that he not only has the right to command us, but the power to uphold us here on earth. That's why he is the head of the body, the church, we as his disciples. And then he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He said, observe all that I commanded you. Observe, meaning to obey, to practice, to live out all his commands. That means, 
acknowledging God's word is our foundation of truth, and then diving into it, understanding it with your mind, holding onto it with your heart, and living it out in your life. In saying goodbye, I wish to echo the words of the Apostle Paul in Hebrews 13 and leave you with this final prayer and benediction. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.